for those tough wake-ups. Stats are misleading. It's Marsh and Mello. Major foul. Wake up to serious sports talk. He fist his head. It's Marsh. The CFL, baby. And Mello. I love Canada. It's Marsh and Mello. This is football. For those tough wake-ups. They're heating up. It's Marsh and Mello. Coming your way, Hamilton. Wake up to serious sports talk. Gas tank gonna be full. It's Marsh. In Canada. And Mello. Why not, eh? It's Marsh and Mello. Thank you, Canada. Everybody's doing it. Hello and welcome to Marsh and Mellow. Happy Friday, everybody. Friday, June 4th. Welcome to June. Kyle Mellow, have you started working on your June tan yet? I have not. I've only played. <laughs> Were you on uh, mute? I was on mute. Damn it. I forgot <laughs> to turn off the mute. I was going to say, is, is this. Uh... You started playing the intro. I wanted a drink of water. For some reason, this water bottle makes like a weird sound. I'm like, I don't want that to go into the mic. Uh, so I put it on mute and uh, forgot it off to a great start. Um, as for the tan, um, no, I'm, I'm usually when you have Portuguese genetics, you can hold a tan pretty well. Yeah. I got like a massive tan, like even last year. Cause I was golfing so much the year before. Cause I went to Cuba uh, the year before that, before I went to Cuba. So it's like, I think I'm pretty good with my tan. It was funny, actually. I showed my girlfriend when I got home from uh, playing golf, the one round I played this year, the golf hand tan, right? So it's like... Oh, because you're a glove guy, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wear wear gloves. Yeah. So my one hand was way whiter than my other hand. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens, man. You can always tell the people that were longing to get back out onto the golf course that really needed that in their life when they're walking around in just day-to-day life. And yeah, one hand is completely a different color than the other one. But uh, I've actually been getting a good tan for an extremely white person uh, with uh, Scandinavian and uh, you know Northern uh, European descent. Uh, the tan's coming in nice, man. We've had some nice weather here. We're supposed to get blasted in Ontario, specifically Hamilton coming up next week, I guess. Like temperatures in the high 30s, low 40s. And I'm like, that reminds me of CFL training camps when it's the first week first little while you'd be like yeah you know it's it's warm it's nice it's good you know the spring's winding <laughs> down and then there's oh you know this Kyle. there's always a couple of days at training camp where you just get blasted by heat that seems unreasonable for the first week of june i don't know if that's everywhere that has cfl franchises but always at tie cats camp and of course at argos camp too just this part of of the planet and this part of the province always ends up splashing you in early june with three or four days where you're like this feels like August, like this hazy, gross, burn yeah. the, the morning dew off the training camp turf type heat. Yeah. Um, again, people with different genetic makeup can either hold tans or reject tans, or if you're super white like yourself, um, not even get a tan and just get burnt. And, and, <laughs> and then like that my, burn doesn't turn into a tan. <laughs> I was going to say, and like my baby, because uh, I am, as somebody who had so many bad sunburns when I was growing up, because I was such an idiot. Like, I didn't realize that sunscreen was a good thing for you. Oh, and yeah. I understand there's people out there that are like, sunscreen actually causes skin cancer. Okay, sure, whatever. Uh, but for me, I wish so much when I was younger, I would have taken better care of myself because I was just so dumb. And I've gotten to the point now where I embarrassing, like, if I actually want to tan, I will embarrassingly slather myself like cream white so that you can't even see my arms. And then I'll just sit in direct sunlight. I still get a tan. 
and so Marlene always laughs at me because, of course, she has your Portuguese heritage when it comes to the uh, the skin tone and uh, and the way that it absorbs the sun so beautifully. She doesn't even know what sunscreen is. Whereas yeah. I, I'm sitting there as like guy at the beach with the white stripe down the middle of his nose, trying to make sure that I protect myself. But my, I'm terrified for my kid, man. I, I'm way more sensitive about it than she is. Cause she doesn't even think about it every single time we even go for a walk with him or something I'm like, does he have, he have his hat? He's got sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. Do we have the sun protective clothing? Like I'm total, like over the top sun protection dad already. And he's only like eight months old. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because even though I hold the Portuguese heritage, um, I can still get sunburned. Uh, me and my girlfriend, the first time we went to Cuba, uh, the first day we were there, we just hung out on the beach and we decided not to stay under the Palapala or whatever it was called, the, the, the hut. Um, we chose not to stay uh, under there. Um, I kind of fell asleep on the beach and we put sunscreen on. Wait, one was time. that was that the nap? thing is, is you got to keep putting it on when you're in like the Caribbean, you got to keep putting it on like every half hour, every hour. We didn't do that. And uh, I got a major sunburn. And that was the last day we ever went to the beach. We went back to the <laughs> pool, but we uh, the skin needed a break, like a week break. And obviously we had to leave. Dude, why do you why do you think I take all my vacations when I used to have vacations and I would just go into the wintry mountains? <laughs> no I, sun. I, I can't I can't go into the Caribbean. I would die. Uh, my dad one time we went to Myrtle Beach when I was a kid. I'll never forget this. I, you know how as a, as a young kid you don't remember all the little details or the things that frame life stories. And maybe I think about these things more now that I'm a dad. But I'll never forget going to the beach the first day that we got to Myrtle Beach on March break when I was in elementary school and. We go, we have a, a great time. And then my dad goes to bed and I'm like, well, yeah, because he's tired, right? Because it was an 18 hour drive. And yeah. I, think he, I think he went through the night and, and drove straight down and all the rest. And so he goes to bed early. The next day, I remember my mom, like early in the morning, you know, we're, we're having all this like American cereal and all these fun things that we did would do when we go down to Myrtle Beach. And my, uh, my mom sees my dad come down the hallway. She's like, you okay? And as a little kid, I'm like, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, something like that. I'm like, why? What's wrong? And my dad is shirtless and he's as red as your hat. Like oh, he, his whole, <laughs> his whole body. And I, I remember looking at him as a young child and being like, yo, that ain't right. And also I have no idea when you got that, but I guess again, he was so worried about me and not about himself that he ended up having the worst burn. Like you're talking yeah. about, but, but I need to know, was that nap on the beach alcohol induced or were you just tired of traveling and you got there and you were relaxing and you fell asleep because I always laugh at people who go to the beach, have like an unlimited drink package when they go on vacation, have three or four cocktails, fall asleep on the beach, wake up burnt, can't go back, can't enjoy yeah. the drink package, have to get aloe, have to start hydrating. It's like that happens so much from people that I've talked to. So interesting uh, story. So it wasn't 100% because I fell asleep on the beach. It was also being in the water so me and my girlfriend went swimming yeah. and we we're in the water and the girlfriend decides to challenge me to a swim race she's like let's see how <laughs> uh, good of a swimmer you are i'm like oh, okay we do the uh, swim race i have sunglasses on my face right but they were like the athletic sunglasses so they were pretty snug to my face and i'm like okay I jump in the water. Obviously, I'm not submerging myself. So I swim, swim. She kills me in this race. Not even close. She tells me after, oh, yeah, I used to swim. I'm like, what? she's a friggin' dolphin. She was like yeah. pool, pool sharking you by being. I'm a like, shark? what are you doing? 
I'm like, I grew up in the lake too, but I like didn't do competitive swimming. So anyways, I lose in the race and then we're walking around for like a minute. Then I realized where are my sunglasses? All of a sudden <laughs> now I'm looking for my sunglasses. I only brought two pairs of sunglasses uh. to Cuba. The second pair of sunglasses I had, I didn't really like them. I like the other ones because they're athletic and they stick stay on my face. Um, so now I'm walking around the water's clear, but I'm walking around looking for my sunglasses ended up finding them after half an hour. Problem is I'm essentially having my entire body out of the water when I'm looking for the sunglasses and the sun decided to punch me in the head. Well, my, <laughs> my nightmare is that anytime I go, even if I'm being careful and I sunscreen all over the place to protect myself, the second I go into the water, because I put so much sunscreen on, even if it's absorbed, you can just see like the Exxon Valdez worth of oil spilling off of my body into whatever lake or river or anything else I'm in. <laughs> and as soon as I see it washing off, I just go, oh boy, I feel so naked right now. This is not going to end well for me. But uh, also, I love the idea of you using the term athletic sunglasses. I don't know if I've ever heard that before. But I laugh at it because I love you the can be athletic in them. It's but what I, baseball players <laughs> wear or it's what cricket players uh, wear. But I love the idea of you on a beach walking out from wherever Vista or boardwalk or whatever to get down to the yeah. beach. And you are wearing like this is going to date me as a reference. Ian Thorpedo uh, Speedo glasses. And you've got the, <laughs> the little Speedo on and you're like shaking your triceps out and Maybe you have the the big tight jacket that you have to unzip before you get over. You start doing the arm swings back and forth and stretching your triceps and your shoulders. I love the idea of you going to the beach as an Olympic swimmer. <laughs> it's such a great uh, not visual. Olympic swimmer. Hell, I'm not even an amateur swimmer. I'm I, I'm good. Like I can survive in the water. Don't ask me to swim fast. This is not going to go well. Uh, <laughs> but it's like. That reference definitely dates me, though, right? Because when I go iconic swimmers, I go Ian Thorpe. And that's that's 21 yeah. years ago. That is 21 years ago. I mean, I'm, you can go right. Michael Phelps. But, but yeah, you can, a lot of people, I think, would go Phelps. I mean, the people that... Uh, of what a was certain, the scumbag guy? Uh, Ryan Lochte. Lochte. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, too, like, you could go Penny Alexiak. You could go... There's all sorts of great Canadian swimmers as well, but... Again, I find it funny that I've aged so rapidly where Ian Thorpe is where I go with swimming references because there's got to be people still today working in radio, television, broadcasting, where when you bring up the topic of great swimmers, they're like, that guy's a real uh, Mark Spitz. And you, they start throwing around that name. You're like, how old are you? Because there's got to be people that hear me see, yeah. say Ian Thorpe and they go, who the bleep is Ian Thorpe? What are you talking? Because all we ever do is parachute in on the Olympics. Like we're hoping to again this yeah. summer. And we see all the swimming events and we find all these great stories and all these great people. And uh, some, sometimes the scumbag people like Ryan Lochte, as you talked about. But uh, I just I love the idea that my sport references have already become archaic. And I don't know how, when I was 10 years old, that Ian Thorpe became a thing that was lodged in the back of my brain as the best swimmer on the planet. When Phelps has broken most, if not all, of his records at this point, no? Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see like a ESPN 30 for 30 on who started the let's wax our entire body as a swimmer. Mm. Because if you look at the Olympics back in like the seventies and eighties, those guys had like crazy chest hair. Yeah. They, they were hairy. Yeah. And they were swimming and they were the best in the world. Wow. And now you don't see that. Everybody waxes everything. Well, 
Not everything, Kyle. Uh, uh, <laughs> that affects aerodynamics as well. <laughs> Not if you pack it in tightly enough in the Speedo. Right? <laughs> Then you'll be just fine. <laughs> All right, let's get into the show for you here. Is a good talk about sun safety off the top. Thank you to Fox 40. Hey, you want to go into the water wherever you're going? They've got great nautical products for you as well as helping yeah. you return to the play playing field here. 15% off as always. For all your return to play whistle needs, visit box40shop.com and enter the code CFP15. And of course, getting yourself ready for the CFL season. Get some beer and save yourself the shipping costs as well. This is for Ontario residents only. you got to be of legal drinking age, but you can use the promo code on sawdustcitybeer.com. Uh, it's CFP. That's all you got to put in CFP, and we will save you the shipping costs on orders over $100. And again, I, I've said this before. I feel like I just got to hammer this home. I know a lot of people right now, we're coming out the backside, the downslope of the pandemic. The first dose vaccination rates are fantastic in Canada right now. A lot of people, a hundred dollars is a lot. I'm not telling, I'm not, when I read that promo in every podcast here on CFP, I'm not reaching into your wallet and saying, give me a hundred dollars or even give Sala City a hundred dollars. I'm saying, just spend a hundred dollars on beer. It could be with you. It could be with you yeah. and five friends. It could be with you and 20 friends. If you all want to try one beer, you can do it and we can save you the shipping costs. So pull up a little bit of money, find some friends that want to try some great stuff. And if you want information on a lot of their beers, uh, I've been doing these weekly sit-downs with Sam Corbet, their brewmaster and co-founder on our YouTube page. If you're wondering, what would I like? I mean, I want to support the guys that are helping out CFP and make sure that this is a reality as we get to the CFL season because they had no reason to sponsor us as early as they did. There were no games. like There was nothing going on. We were leading up to the draft, and that was it. And so I do want to make it very clear that they have made this possible for us to continue to do while we sort out our lives and do real jobs on the side and all these kinds of things that you have to do. Uh, but they've made it possible for us to be able to make this happen. So if you enjoy this stuff, support them, pull up your money, get together with your buddies. And soon enough, you'll be able to actually drink beers with your buddies, which is a great thing uh, just around the corner. We hope coming up in a little while here. So uh, I, yeah. I don't know. And a hundred dollars of beer. You think about it. It's like, you're going to go back to the beer store and spend that money anyways. Yeah. Just like, just load up. Just stock up for the summer. You <laughs> right? should have seen Get a the look. hundred bucks and just like, oh, I have beer now for two months instead of one month where it saves me a trip now to the beer store. <laughs> you should have seen the look, Kyle, that my stepdaughter gave me when I pulled out a recycling bin of crushed Sada City cans that were going back for empties. And she said, how many are in there? And I said, relax. It's been since Christmas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like this ain't this ain't the last week okay just chill chill the hell out but it was like 25 bucks worth of empties so it was, it was a lot of cans yeah. it's a lot <laughs> but i've enjoyed a lot of their stuff it's been good stuff so yeah uh let's get into some of the headlines of the week for you here uh i want to mention this as, just as a starting point because we're going to get to edmonton's name change and some of my favorite sound clips of the week but I'm working a full-time job right now, which has made posting on CFP a little bit more difficult, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, I want to pour everything I possibly can into CFP, and I'm going to continue to do that. But when you're working nine to five, five days a week, otherwise it's, it's yeah. going to hamper a little bit of the ability to do that. But the positive of working a nine to five, Kyle, is that I thoroughly enjoy going to work, knowing nothing, not being on social media for the whole day, because my job doesn't allow me to do that. And then I come home, make dinner, and I open up the computer. And every single day, it is just vibrant colored fireworks blasting out of my ears and my nose and the back of my head. Just 
Because when I'm so used to consuming social media and breaking news updates and information like we were when we were on radio, it was just constantly in front of me and the, the feed was always there. When you just go to like, hey, tsn.ca and you see all the headlines of a day. And they're all new to you. Whoa, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it is an, it like a shout out to everybody out there who either does now or has at one time had an actual job like one of them nine to fives I've always been hearing about because for you to be able to consume sports, I have a whole different appreciation. People that used to listen to us on morning radio, I have such an appreciation for the people doing that because you have no reason to. You had no, like you had, you were in and out of the car in maybe 15 minutes was your commute, maybe a half hour, maybe you're going to Toronto, maybe it's an hour, whatever, but you don't catch enough of the show for our show to make any sense. Like that's the reality. And, and now I'm amazed by that because when I get in the car early in the morning to go to work, I don't even listen to anything. Like I, sometimes I'll put music on, but I, just for people to make the effort to consume and understand sports and to, to search it out and then to do the full work day and then check in later on in the day, it's like, I don't know why, but it's kind of mind blowing to me because I've never had a real normal job. That's like a full thing. I've been, bits and pieces here and weird hours there and all over the place. But uh, I found that amazing and uh, consuming the breaking news. Like I get home in the evening and I had no idea that Edmonton had announced that they were the Elks. I had no <laughs> idea. It had been all over social media the whole day. I, I came home the other day from work. I saw that the OUA had announced that they were going to be uh, searching out ways to have a fall season. I'm like, Oh my God. God, I was so happy about it. Uh, I was like, when did the tweet come out? I'm like, 10 hours ago. Okay, I'm a little behind up because we're so yeah, we're so based in now, 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 now. You have to be up to date to the very second. So when you show up to something 10 hours late, you feel kind of dumb because it's like, well, 10 hours. I mean, the news cycle's already passed you. But then you realize afterwards that um why are we so obsessed with with the breaking news and the next story and the because consuming it all at once at the end of the day, just to, like it's like reading a newspaper the next morning, like yeah. the old days where you would get the newspaper, not know the box scores, not know how people played. And you would read about Larry Bird going up against Dr. J or something. And you would read the full breakdown from Bob Ryan in the Boston Globe. And again, I sound like an old, old, old person saying this, but it's kind of a better way to enjoy getting all your information. It's more difficult. It doesn't make you feel as knowledgeable as when you're constantly plugged in. Yeah. But, but there's a little bit of peace to not constantly being plugged in either. So I just wanted to start the show off with that because I think that that's a funny way to consume information. Yeah. And I remember when we were at TSN and our boss, Mike Neighbors, um, would mention, you know, that first segment um, that you guys do or the first segment of every hour that you guys do, <laughs> try to hit on as many of the storylines uh, yeah. as you can, because People don't know the news when they wake up in the morning. They're, you know, getting ready for work. They're not listening to anything. They get in their car. And then on the drive, that's where they're listening and finding out their news. And it's like, oh, yeah, people don't live the psychotic life that I live. There's many <laughs> a times where I went into TSA and then you come in and you're like, man, you look tired today. And it's like, yeah, last night I was up. The Leafs are in Vancouver. I stayed you were one crazy in the morning. like that. Though. I know. I never understood why you did that to yourself. You would, <laughs> you would be like, Jay's night, man. They were playing the, a the A's. In Oakland. <laughs> yeah, the Oakland like, Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Nobody cares. Yeah. In May. <laughs> it's like they play 140. 
20 more times this season. What did it matter? Listen, man, it's the shows aren't going to be good this week. It's Mariners week. Okay. <laughs> they, they got a triple header out there in the Pacific. Northwest. Listen, the Leafs are going out West, the flames, the Oilers, the Canucks. It's going to be a rough week. Right. <laughs> and it's like, Oh yeah. People live normal lives and they have normal jobs where, you know, they don't, you know, stay up until, you know, 1130 midnight, one o'clock in the morning and then get up early in the morning. So, you know, yeah, it is interesting when you get thrown um, that now where it's like have a regular job. Yeah. Can't go on social media during the day like I've been able to in the past. Can't keep up with, you know, CFL headlines and boom, 10 hours ago, there was massive news and I had no idea. <laughs> it's it, like I say, it sucks, but it's also kind of fun to catch up all at once because I've never felt more normal. Like, I don't know why I, <laughs> I, I don't know why I celebrate that, but there's some sort of peace in just feeling like, oh, this is how all of the rest of the planet yeah. does it. Like all the people who live normal lives and take, take normal for whatever you want. There's people that work night shift. There's people that work odd hours in the day, but uh, I don't know. I just felt very, very appreciative when I started to live uh, a relatively standardized life and uh, with the working schedule right now. And I realized, man, that's, this is, this is different. And there's a lot of people that searched <laughs> us out on radio and maybe they do still now on podcasts and we appreciate them doing that. But uh, we hope that we keep you company and have some fun and, and dance through some of the news. So the thing that, uh, that blew my mind today, this is why I wanted to bring this up. The reason that I bring this up is that I opened up the computer and I saw CFL Twitter, a buzz here on Thursday, June 3rd. <laughs> I saw that the USFL is back. <laughs> and, and I was like, what the hell is happening? I like just my eyes almost jumped out of my head because for me, the USFL is this iconic brand. It, it has a place in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton where there's Jim Kelly jerseys and Steve Young jerseys and photos of of all the different teams logos and which by the way they don't have any of this for the cfl which screw off uh but they have all this stuff for the usfl and it's this this brand that has so it's hard to describe because if you've watched small potatoes who who killed the usfl which was the documentary done by espn on the downfall of the usfl then you realize how special the USFL was. Like there's a lot of spring football leagues, as we know, we've talked about it endlessly on this show and others that they show up, they're a fart in the wind and they're gone. Right. And they don't, they don't have any landmarks. The XFL it's first time through is known for complete incompetence after a short period of time where they had, I guess, minimal rating success for a couple of weeks. Right. Like we've seen the Alliance of American football recently come and go. We've, there's all sorts of stuff. But if you say the USFL to somebody who was around watching football at that time, which I was not, obviously, that was before I was interested in football or old enough to be able to make my own decisions on what I was going to watch for sports. But if you were to say to somebody, the USFL, most of the time, Kyle, you're going to get a smile and a laugh. And the reason for that is run and gun up and down, spread it out, throw it all over the place, like all these things that are iconic, that are latched on to the USFL's identity. And I see that the USFL is coming back. And I'm like, what? first of all, why? <laughs> yeah. And second of all, I thought, well, why now? Like with everything happening with the XFL and all these. And then I. And the Alliance? Like it well, just, it yeah, just the went down. Is to, is, is, well, the Alliance is, I think, supposed to come back at some point. I don't know. If that's <laughs> How many leagues are we going to have? Well, that's what I'm saying is it's 
Should I start playing football? <laughs> it's it's becoming. I think I could score a job in one of these terrible leagues. <laughs> uh, but it's becoming this weird thing. But this is the real reason I bring this up: is that my face almost explodes when I see that the USFL is coming back. My first thought is, why you got such a brand? Like I don't want the USFL this generation associated with something that's so different. And then I see, oh no, it's just the Spring League rebranded. I'm like, the USFL. Whoever owned the USFL logo trademark anything they signed off on the use of that iconic brand and maybe i'm holding it to too high of a standard but they signed off on that brand being used with the league where people pay money to play yeah that was so disappointing (laughs) to me like and it didn't really make me sad but it was just the initial thought was why is this happening and the second thought was why would they do that? Like, I don't know how people are going to receive it. I don't know if the USFL is going to give them a bump, but even if they bring back all the old team names and all the old jerseys and it's throwback, 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 and it's up and down the field football, the spring league, I've watched a little bit of it because it's been broadcast on Fox the last couple of weekends. It's crap. Like yeah. it, it's real. And I understand <laughs> there's, there's guys there that are trying to make the way into football rosters. That's great. But that is being broadcast on national American television, not NBCSN like the Panthers and the Lightning series was in the NHL. It's not, uh, you know, some small time college football game that's being broadcast on a local cable network. It's being put on Fox, like Fox Sports Sundays, Fox Sports Weekends. And it's up there. And I tune into it once in a while when I'm flipping around from golf on CBS or NASCAR on something. And I, I flip over there. And every time I spend 30 seconds and I go, oh, my God, no, I, this, is yeah. bad, this is bad football. And now that's going to be on Fox rebranded as the USFL. I was like, what is happening? I know I'm rambling, but I just I couldn't wrap my mind yeah. around when I saw it. Now, you bring up a good point. And, you know, the spring league, you know, it is less quality football. And not only that, and there, we've talked about it in the past, this spring league that they've had, guys are coming in and a week later they're playing games. Like, what is that? What is this? Like the pro bowl where you just have a bunch of guys come together. They run the most simplest playbook they can run. And then, okay, guys, let's go to work. Now they're going to put this stuff on TV on Fox. I think Fox executives are going to be really disappointed when they see the quality of football and the fact that there's no names. One, we don't know any of the players Two, Wow. This is bad. (laughs) It's not even entertaining. It's already on Fox though. Like I've been watching it on Fox and they signed off on this rebranded spring league becoming the USFL, which again, if you're the spring league and you made any money off of this, Holy crap. Congratulations. That's amazing. Cause you just created a nothing product and I think made money off of it, or I think upgraded it. I think. And what's happening with the fan controlled football league? Like, is that sticking around too? I don't know. It's horrible. uh, But here's what I'm amazed by is the idea that football television rights are so valuable. Just having any football that you can put on a television screen at your network is valuable enough for it to be bad football. And if you're a Fox executive and you're watching that football and for a half a second, you think that's good football, you need to be fired. Because there's, yeah. <laughs> there's no way that anybody who works at Fox, which has NFL games, as we know, they have America's game of the week, which is just Troy Aikman and Joe Buck calling whatever Cowboys game is on. And whenever they have that game, you tune in and you go, this is high quality football like this. Yeah. Is, and, it, and even if it's the Cowboys aren't good or whatever, 
it's like, this is the NFL. This is a standard. This You turn it on immediately. You're like, these are the best people at the planet that do what they do. I can't imagine an executive from Fox sitting down in a boardroom and watching a little bit of the spring league and saying, you know what we want to attach to our football content alongside America's game of the week with the Dallas friggin' Cowboys? Uh, we want it to be the spring league where there are guys that have been cut from CFL teams that are paying money to try and get onto a roster. And again, I know I'm blowtorching the league as a whole, and it's a bit of a straight bullet that they're catching for me just being stunned by the USFL announcement because I, I couldn't care less about the spring league. And I, I, like I say, I flip in, check it out for a couple of minutes, and then I just have to get out because it's not good. But the idea that people would sign off on that as television content is stunning to me because I understand that you have this rights deal with CFL and ESPN and ESPN plus. And once in a while it's on ESPN two in the States on Friday nights in the summer when they don't have football content. So they use it as their football content. But when I see that they are signing off on the spring league slash new USFL for Fox, I'm like, how is it possible that the CFL has never had a major American network available to everybody with basic cable package? How is if football content is that easy to sell these days because it yeah. drives that type of ratings, no matter how bad it is? Seattle's <laughs> good football. Why would that not be more valuable moving forward if, if the precedent is being set from Fox willing to dip their toes into those waters of this thing that's I don't, I, I don't even know what to call it. Like, I understand it's going to be the USFL when it comes around, but I'm going to have a hard time calling it the USFL because it's not. The yeah. USFL is a completely different entertainment product than what the spring league is with a, a, a fake decal that says USFL slapped on the side of the helmet to make us think it's something that it's not. Yeah. And, you know, them signing on with the, or, you know, taking the naming rights of the USFL, um, I think is one who today, who of that market is going to, remember the usfl when they go out of business 1986 85 86 something like that right so they go out of business and now you're expecting let's say you were in your 20s in 1986 that means you were born in 66 how old does that make you now like i thought we're supposed to try to gear stuff towards younger generations younger generations don't remember the usfl you just sticking a name on it and thinking it's something else isn't it's not going to help you. And I don't know when's going to come the day that either TV networks, executives are going to say, oh, the, the idea of U.S. professional football outside of the NFL doesn't work. Let's stop trying to do leagues. Because in 2022, we might have a situation, and you said the Alliance of American Football League are you know, stirring the waters that they might come back as well. You could have in 2022 three leagues fold again, <laughs> right? And maybe the spring league is so small that it won't even fold, right? They'll just go on their business and go on losing another hundred thousand dollars the next year. But the amount of money that they're losing is so small because they're not paying the players essentially anything. And they're, and they're not a big league, right? Like there's right, there's yeah, no overhead that's being associated with that. I don't think it's like, do you have the equipment to? put together a team and you get some jerseys and you pay some coaches a little bit of money then yeah sure but all the guys that are coaching in the spring league and we should actually talk to Liram Hirolahu about this because he's in the spring league right now but all the guys that are in the spring league coaching are transient 
like they are the same guys that have showed up in the Alliance, the same people who are on a couple yeah. of XFL coaching. Wow. I was watching a spring league game for 20 seconds the other day. And it was actually kind of cool because they had the offensive coordinator mic'd up. So when the quarterback came to the sideline, it wasn't like the shrouded, you know, put the piece of paper over your mouth and you talk to your quarterback and he nods and then you tap him on the backside and he runs out on the field. They had him completely mic'd up. So you would hear him being it. But again, this is just the same stuff the XFL did the first time around where it's like super, super access. It's the reason we got live mic games in the CFL. It's just the evolution of the access of the game, despite the fact that coaches hate this stuff. And in the background, standing behind that offensive coordinator talking to his quarterback was Jerry Glanville. <laughs> and I was like, he's, he's in every league. It's all these Bart Andrews. It just, it just shows up. He's in every league. He coaches in every league because there's a group of veteran coaches who have discovered a niche market of, I can go anywhere in football. Yeah. My, my name will get me paid for a one-year contract to make a little piece of money here, a little piece of money there. I don't want a real full-time job at a major division one school. That's too much work. I'm not good enough necessarily anymore. I'm yeah. not the hot young thing, the Sean McVeighs and the, uh, the Kingsbury's of the world. I can't get an NFL job. The CFL is too high quality. I can't get my nose in there necessarily. So know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to travel. Like I love the idea of uh, like a traveling band of misfits that are just coaches <laughs> and they just, they drive into town in places like San Antonio and Birmingham. They go, yeah, you, you guys need a football coach. And there's always a league that's like, hell yeah, we do. Come on in, man. You want to be the head coach of the San Antonio? Yeah. I don't care what the name is. I don't care what the league is. I'm just here to coach football. It's what I do. And they just get labeled as football lifers, which they are, but they're just traveling team to team to team to team. To team. <laughs> and it's like, if they were actually good enough or interested well, enough in advancing, they would probably get a job somewhere bigger, better that they could latch on. But they're not like they're coaching at tiny division three schools and then all these pop-up leagues. I'm like, that should tell you everything you need to know about a lot of these. Well, what was it in the XFL after they folded and Vince McMahon essentially had to go to bankruptcy court and all of a sudden he had to release all the salaries of all the coaches and stuff. What was it? Oh, Steve yeah. Spurrier or was it Bob Stoops? That was uh, making the old a hell ball of a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. It was Stoops was getting a stupid amount of money, but he, yeah, again, like they were getting that, a crazy amount of money. Why? Because the single entity ownership of these leagues think yeah. that, oh, that guy's going to get people to show up to games. They're not. Coaches have never driven attendance to games in any league. The CFL, the NFL, and the XFL or Alliance of American Football League, fans don't care. They want to see quality football and players that they know. And these leagues are struggling with that, and they don't understand, and they executives of TV networks love just throwing money at it thinking oh this time it's going to work and we've always had the conversation there's this strange mindset in the sport of football where it's like i can fix that guy i i can make him work right it's like uh it, it it's not a player after you know five ten years of playing shows you he can't play anymore you're not going to be able to fix him urban meyer takes the job in jacksonville now he's got Tim Tebow running routes being a tight end. Is Tim Tebow going to be a, a good football player again? No. Will he be a roster player? Potentially because he has a relationship with Urban Meyer. Or is he going to be like an assistant personality coach where he's just the, you know, a strong voice in the room? That's probably going to end up being the case. The, the over-under, by the way, I think I saw for Tebow touchdowns this season that was set by a major sports book, I think, in Vegas was 10 
Like they set that's the, insane. They set the over under on touch, not catches. I don't touchdowns. know. Jacksonville is going to score ten touchdowns, <laughs> but, but but their whole thinking on that, I believe, is that he's going to be a short yardage quarterback in and around the goal line, or he's going to be the Tebow package in the gun near the goal line or in the score zone. He's going to be the elusive weapon. He's going to be the H back. He's, he's going to be the tight end threat in the middle of the field. He's going to be running jet sweeps as a receiver. Like th- whoever set that line at ten very clearly thinks it's 2007. Well, because and another thing, Tebow is, was not is, winning on no. all of those different types of plays that he was able to beat people up with at Florida. What if Trevor Lawrence comes out and in the first two weeks of the season has eight touchdown passes and gets no interceptions? All of a sudden, Tim Tebow's never going to play, even in the red zone. You can't take the team down and inside the 10, you're going to obviously bench him to bring in Tim Tebow. This is the guy you took first overall. You're handing the franchise over to him and you're going to bring in old buddy Tim Tebow, who, by the way, is not young anymore and has gained a lot of weight. Now, some of it is muscle and I get that. But a 32 year old, I think that's how old he is, red zone quarterback. Like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> Urban Meyer, that's what we're doing. Uh, that explains <laughs> everything. Can you imagine if Trevor Lawrence, who's this generational number one surefire <laughs> Hall of Fame type quarterback that you rarely get, like the John Elways and the Andrew Lux of the world? Yeah. Can you imagine if you were to miss out on like a rookie touchdown record or something like that because Tebow stole seven of them? Yeah. Like just and, stole red zone snaps that ended up turning into touchdowns where it's like, well, Trevor probably could have done that, but Urban Meyer needs to make sure that his ego is inflated enough to use Tebow to make himself look smart. I will say this though, you know who leads the entire NFL in merchandise sales? The top five last time I saw was Tebow. I don't know if the color is teal, but whatever that Jaguars green blue color is, yeah. it, it was that color of Tebow t-shirt. It was the Tebow black t-shirt. It was a wow. hat. It was a hat that had Tebow on the back. And I was like, who, who is buying all of these things? And I was like, Florida, <laughs> Florida. I was like, well, it's either Christians, Florida, Gators fans, or Christian Florida resident Gator fan, Jaguar fans. I'm like, it could be just one big combination. I yeah. don't know if that's a niche market or what, but there, he, he surpassed Tom Brady in merchandise sales after Tom won the Super Bowl at age 43, just by getting signed. Yeah. Now, going back to that total, the, that line set at 10 touchdowns for Tim Tebow, I mean, I would put all the money on the under. I don't think he's going to get there, especially if the line is that high. What if Tim Tebow comes in in week three and, oh, my goodness, he might get his first touchdown of the year. He goes into the red zone package, and all of a sudden, it's a jump throw, and he looks like he's going to run, and he goes to throw it, and it gets picked off. You just won the bet because there's no way Urban Meyer can throw him out there again. He can't. You, you, you can't. You can't sit the first overall kid and that guy just came in who hasn't played quarterback in a very long time, chucked a pick, and then you give the ball back to him. I would love the idea of just an extremely honest broadcaster calling that play and just saying, oh, and it looks like Tim Debo's arm has actually fallen off. Uh, they actually <laughs> brought it like, or don't talk about him as Tim Tebow Heisman Trophy winner. Just say, well, Trevor Lawrence looks like he's going to exit the game here and in will come a former New York Mets minor leaguer, and he'll be playing in the quarterback position. Like, just don't refer to his football accolades. Just be like, and it's a host of the SEC network on ESPN. He'll take the snap. He'll run to the right-hand side. Quarterback power fumble turns the other direction, and it'll be (laughs) Jets football or something. It's just, there's so many funny things about him being there. 
training camp for the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be interesting, right? Because if they can tell on the field that Tentivo can't play the tight end position and a guy gets cut, and let's say that guy was, and again, uh, the guy who would get cut is probably a guy who bounces around a lot of football teams in the NFL or a guy who is super young and maybe he hasn't developed the relationships with the veterans on the team. But let's say that guy is well-liked and all of a sudden he gets cut. And that kid is way better than Tim Tebow. Everybody's looking around and saying, the hell? Like (laughs) that kid in the preseason had two touchdowns and Tim had like two drops and like eight missed blocks. So what are we doing here? And here's the last thing I'll say on this. (laughs) We should move along from Tebow, even though it's (laughs) it's incredibly fascinating. But is if you look at what the NFL is doing with tight ends right now, it's aliens. Like that Waller dude that's with the Raiders, freak like athletic long tall i mean we've always known the basketball style guys but if you put travis kelsey or if you put gronk or if you put any of these just monsters i get it tebow has this image of being stronger than anyone right like he's yeah it's this whole imagery that we surround him with with the big biceps and the quarterback and the running through people and and yes he was one of the most unstoppable offensive threats in all of college football history that again was 2008 like and that's why i'm going it's uh, 13 years later and he's not been doing this and he's going through a position change we might have to change some of the expectations but uh let's get a quick break we'll come back on the other side for you here i want to dive into uh all things elks with an s <laughs> we'll do that when we return <laughs> right after this it is marsh and mel right here on canadian football perspective Ready to hit the links, but the course isn't ready for you yet? Marshall Ferguson here for Force to Joni. I've got the solution for you. Get your golf game in shape before the season begins by booking the Force to Joni Trackman Golf Simulators. They are world-class. They've got new daily drink deals and a spring-summer menu coming just in time for patio season just around the corner. They're located at 1070 Stone Church Road East here in Hamilton. For information, info at forcedajoni.ca. They are open for Takeo Daily. Give them a call, 905-381-9850. And, of course, you can follow along on Instagram at 4, that's F-O-R-E, dot Stagione, S-T-A-G-I-O-N-E. Kyle, you know I have to play this rejoin, right, because we're talking about Edmonton. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> Wake up to serious sports talk. Kyle Mello joins us now. Kyle, uh, the Ticats could be forgiven for overlooking tonight's game. Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. So Jeremiah Masoli has talked about it all week, about the fact that they didn't start well, they needed to change that. Jeremiah wasn't also uh, happy with the, <clears throat> excuse me, happy with the three inter- <clears throat> Sorry, give me a sec. Sure, absolutely. That's the sound Kyle's throat made when he uh, saw that it was the Edmonton Elks <laughs> that are now uh, the team in the Canadian Football uh. League from YEG. Uh, welcome back to Marsh and Mel. Thank you for joining us as always. I don't know why I just did a reset. We're not on radio. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I'm tired, man. I'm working a real job now. Okay, this is exhausting. But uh, I am very excited to say that they got this, for the most part, right. Like, I, I think... The way, if you want to know more about this, then we will speak to because this is just going to be surface analysis. Go listen to All Canadian with Connor O'Neill and Wade Zanketa right here on CFB on the podcast from Thursday, from yesterday. Go check that out because they did an interview with uh, Dave from Chet out there in Edmonton, and he's tremendous. He has great knowledge. He paints the picture vividly of how much the former name meant to the team and how people in in his city, some of them have 
given up on Edmonton football because they can't stand to call them anything else than what they used to. And uh, he knows the divisions. He knows the personalities that are involved. He knows how the president of the team, Chris Preston, felt about all of this stuff going forward. And they had to make a change. And when the name list came out originally, we looked at so many of those names. We said, that is trash. That's not going to work. The one that made the most sense was Elk or Elks. Uh, and so I think by and large, before we have any other say on this, because I don't want this to sound like, you know, criticism coming off is attacking a bunch of people that have done a lot of hard work to get this uh, completed and uh, push that franchise forward, do some creative things going forward to try and reinvigorate their fan base, which I think they've got a really, really solid fan base out in Edmonton, but maybe they wanted to try and, uh, you know, give it a youthful vibe and switch things up a little bit as part of this process. They've done that all very successfully, whether it be the helmets, the logo, the colors, otherwise. So congratulations on the front. That's the first thing. Um, my only question, I guess, on the actual name itself, before we get into all the other things that go surrounding this and, and other things that they might've worked on is, I, well, I was always under the impression that the plural of elk was elk. <laughs> Like that, Look. that that was when I saw the S on the end there, I was like, I listen, I don't have a reason to be angry at this. I, I'm not the person who goes on Twitter and decides to just start fights and get angry about things that don't matter to me. This really doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm, I'm just glad they didn't choose the Edmonton energy. That's my whole thing. If they would have gone with the Edmonton extreme or something, I actually would have been angry. <laughs> yeah. But when they decided to go with this, I'm like, it makes so much sense on so many levels. But the S on the end, I was like... I guess. I mean, I didn't really need it. Like, I, I feel like everybody knows that. Am, am I wrong about this? Like, is the plural of elk elks? Because it just yeah. feels like if you're saying, um, <laughs> you know, if you see a bunch of deer, I mean, you can say, yeah, there's a bunch of deers, but you don't usually. You're just like, hey, look at all the deer. Right. Yeah. And it's so I don't know. Maybe my, my, uh, my verbiage is a little bit off and somebody can correct me on this and I'll be happy if you do and give me a reason why. But I just, I, I kind of giggled at that where I was like, Oh, they were so close to it being perfect. And they <laughs> tapped the S on the end. <laughs> so as far as I know, they did meet with like Oxford dictionary experts and they did come to the conclusion that Elks, even though it isn't like the English, you know, plural term Elks, is acceptable apparently that's the you know decision that they came to with the oxford dictionary people and those people are a hell of a lot smarter than i am right so i'm gonna say it's fine it just it's weird as hell to say and i'm 100 probably gonna drop the word elk without the s repeatedly it's it's gonna happen yeah Yeah. Uh, i i believe that as well by the way i have a quick uh little drop for you here uh i'm more of a merriam-webster guy but (laughs) <laughs> oh i gotta play that actually louder here we go yeah it's just like real live radio people i play the wrong clips at the wrong times here. did you know that miriam and webster were actually two different people did you know that yeah there you go i always thought miriam webster was the same person growing up it turns out it was two people my dad sent me a link the other day about that don't know why no because it is hyphenated right yeah marion and webster it is hyphenated in the name which means it's not what it's not Marion Webster. <laughs> uh Miriam Webster. Oh, Miriam, yeah. Yeah, Miriam Webster here. Who was Miriam? Oh, who was Miriam Webster is the first uh question that's asked on Yelp. Miriam Webster is an Australian Pentecostal worship leader and contemporary singer-songwriter. She is most well known for her classical worship songs with Hillsong Music Australia. 
that's not what I was looking for at all. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's hilarious though, right? Having like a very famous name that's used for something else. It's like uh, Merriam Webster. Um, are you an English major? No, no, I, I, I rescue dolphins. It's like completely the opposite. Thanks for, thanks for nothing, Google. <laughs> it's not the first time that's been said. You really let me down, Google. Uh, <laughs> Noah Webster. This is why my dad sent it to me because Webster from, uh, from Merriam Webster, his uh, name was Noah. So my dad sent me a link that was like, maybe your son will be a man of many words, not unlike Noah Webster. <laughs> wow okay sure, i like yeah. it uh all right so edmonton uh they end up going with the uh the oxford yeah. dictionary people if they went with merriam webster maybe they would have ended up with elk on the name but i am glad that they didn't go with the other crazy stuff and i i dig the horns on the helmet man i think the horns on the helmet is yep. such such a great move for them uh the thing i am a little bit interested in is they kept the ee because it's going to be part of the rotation. I don't know if they're going to use it on like retro jerseys or if it's going to be still prominent on the but, shoulder. Yeah, but it's not on. And they, I think they have a real risk here. And again, this is being very nitpicky. So just if you despise uniform talk, that's like really the minutia of this stuff, then I apologize. But they're really risking over logoing and over branding. And oh, 100%. Like, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a potential here that we're going to end up with horns on the helmet across the chest. It's going to say Elks which I kind of wish they went with a Z at the end. That would have been great too. <laughs> that's XFL. <laughs> yeah. If you do Elks with a Z, that's hey. one, that's worse than Edmonton Energy or if the they, Edmonton Extreme. If they went with a Z at the end, we all would have been like, oh, wow, we already merged with the XFL. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. I didn't even realize, but now it's official. Yeah, that's how they would have tipped us off. Like, hey, just so you guys know, we put a Z at the end. We'd be like, wait, did you guys do the thing with the XFL? And they're like, yeah, yes, we did. Absolutely. That's We did. And uh, we apologize. This is how you had to find out this is awkward for all of us at this point but, I know. uh but yeah when i saw the the variety of logos i mean between the horns and the uh the actual elk logo itself which <laughs> again it's like i find it hard to criticize these things because a lot of people work very hard on them it's a it's a bit of an outline it's not really like the i guess the the future of branding that a lot of people are kind of debranding, like simplifying things. Yeah. Uh, and I think you've seen that with Montreal where they've gone with almost like a shield and the tie cats are actually, it's funny. They are one of the, I don't want to say the last, but they're one of the more intricate designs right now in the CFL. Like the Argos just went back to the boats, like a throwback, but it's yeah. also simplified, right? It's like flat. You can do anything with it graphically. It's just, it's perfect. It's smooth. When Edmonton decided to change up the EE, where they changed the colors and they took out that black lining that was around the logo itself. I was like, wow, this is a great example of, of kind of softening the look of your primary logo and making it so applicable to everything that it can be used all over the place. And it's so easy to, to replicate. And now I'm looking, I'm like horns on the helmet, elks on the chest, numbers, name in the back, numbers cfl cfl <laughs> sponsor yeah run on the other side or like whatever that tire company is that hangs out with the cfl uh so you're gonna have like those and then it's like are we gonna put ee on top of the shoulder pads next to the horns with back of the helmet if we do that where are you putting the actual elk logo that's now your primary logo it's i always am interested yeah. there's a couple of people on twitter that are really good follows for uniform weirdos like me 
and they always talk about patch placement during NCAA bowl season. And this is what this makes me think of because in NCAA bowl season, the patches are the size of my face. Like they go <laughs> with the poinsettia bowl and they slap it on the Jersey. But then it's like, you know, if you are, um, you know, Alabama playing in the poinsettia bowl or something like that, then you have the sec patch that's next to the Nike patch that's next to the poinsettia bowl patch. Now, on the other side, you got another patch for somebody who passed away a couple of years ago that was a legendary coach of the team. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like, what happened to just having the jerseys yeah. be like? Because originally, obviously, everything looked like Penn State. Everything was just like clean, just numbers, right? And then we started to tinker and add and little designs. here. I'm telling you, man, so many places have gone so over the top these days. And I'm a little concerned that Edmonton's jersey is going to be pretty noisy. I'm hoping that they keep it really clean. Like, I'm hoping that there's no word mark at the chest. I hope it's just the new elk logo, maybe a little EE sticker on the back of the helmet as a, a nod to history. But I don't think that you can try and jam four different versions of your logos all over your, your full kind of uh, uniform and helmet. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, when I saw the logos for the Edmonton Elks, um, one, I actually don't think they needed the primary logo. I don't either. They could have gone that that logo of the of the actual like elk. I don't think they needed that. The football of like the antlers. I like that. Let that be your primary logo. I don't know why we became so literal with logos. It's like, oh, we're the Edmonton Elks. So we need a picture of an elk as our logo. And it's like, no, you don't. The Green Bay Packers. Their logo is a giant G. Well, right. They've never actually put a cheese slice in the <laughs> hell on the helmet it looks stupid that'd be great that'd be amazing if they did that uh the acme packers and you just go with a big old piece of cheese on the side of the helmet yes. but uh yeah I, I think the literal representation of the logos is one thing it's also interesting that you mentioned you like the football and the elk because i actually think they could have just gone antlers like if you yeah <laughs> that's too this is kind of essentially, but that that's what the football is, right? It's just antlers, but they're pointed inwards, and right. it looks like a football. How pissed, Kyle? Do you think people would have been if they would have just gone with the EE logo, but they would have just sat an antler sideways on the top of it? That would have <laughs> sucked. <laughs> like if they would have come out, and I, obviously I know they wouldn't have done that, but it would have been so funny to see the reaction of people if they would have just after that long of waiting, they're like, "Ta-da! We put an antler on the EE," and everyone's like, "Wait." That took that long to decide how you guys wanted to do that. But um, yeah, I mean, the I think the antlers on the helmet is going to look amazing because I was telling DT on Wednesday on the breakdown that if you think of late winter, right? And, and not late winter, but late fall, early winter for the playoffs, you have that shot between the official's legs on like a third and one or third and inches, right? It's gray cup, there's snow on the ground and the camera zooms in. TSN's gotten really good at this shot. I'm a bit of a like director nerd when I watch games sometimes yeah. where I notice things like this. So when I see that shot between the ref's legs and it zooms into the trenches and the ball is down low and the O-line and the D-line are breathing and it looks like they're just breathing fire because of the temperature change and all the rest. The idea of having that with a bunch of those antlers down low on the ground ready to burst forward that's fantastic. That's yeah. to me, that's the best thing that they did in this entire, I haven't even seen the jerseys yet. I assume they're not going to be a massive overhaul. They're probably going to look like they used to with some different word marks and all the stuff we've talked about. But in yeah. terms of the visual of we have rebranded, this is different. This is a new era that right there are herd of elks running out of the tunnel, actually looking 
like elks with the antlers on that i actually think that that's the best part of this whole thing i'm so glad they didn't just go with the new logo slapped on the side of the helmet and they're like there look we did it we rebranded they they actually thought about the creative opportunities that would exist here to use the antlers as the primary and it's perfect um so the next thing um and again excuse my ignorance on this um do the eskimo oh sorry See, wow that's a, that's a fine that's a fine twenty dollar we got put it in swear jar Jeez. damn it uh, the elks now um did they have a mascot uh before? i believe it wasn't because you have the... to have a new mascot now right like eddie the elk. oh yeah oh yeah for sure was it are you gonna try out yeah, it's job opportunities eh? <laughs> i don't want to go to edmonton yeah <laughs> why not it's a beautiful city uh except the airport's <laughs> 700 miles away from the football field so if you're traveling in and out for game day maybe fly in a day and a half before so you can get a cab ride in uh but yeah having a new mascot is a must i'm a little bit outdated on my my edmonton football team references when it comes to mascots so if you're an edmonton fan please let us know uh because i just think of like the 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 <laughs> i don't know what to call it like a polar bear or like the glow band like the football man who walks around at the games i don't know i see these things <laughs> in, in passing and i have a very hard time remembering them all because there's a lot of stuff happening but yeah um but they, they got it right i think they you know there's some things that could have been tweaked here and there that maybe some people would have liked better but you're never going to make everybody 100% happy when you do this type of stuff. So yeah. um, I think they did the best that they could, and it's going to be fun to see them hit the field. And I'm honestly just excited to see kind of like the new age, just some of the, the matchups I think are going to look really, really good on field because the Argos with that, the new old boat logo up against the Antlers of Edmonton. Uh, Montreal's got a really clean look right now. Yep. The Thai Cats and they're all black going up against uh, the Elks in their white jerseys and gold pants. It, although it is weird when they rebranded, I don't know if people saw my tweet about this. I actually, because I, I work with the team logos for a bunch of different stuff on CFP on online and graphic design and stuff. I looked at the color when they switched, the green got softer. The yellow is almost indistinguishable from the Ticats yellow. Like the yellow of wow. Edmonton, Edmonton used to be softer. If you look at it, it's, I, I don't want to say identical because I've looked at the color codes and they're not identical, but they're as identical as you can be without actually being identical. So if Edmonton is now playing in Hamilton and they're wearing yellow pants um, or gold pants, then depending on what the Ticats wear, it's going to look pretty similar on the, on the same shade. It's basically going to be like one team's wearing white and green, the other's black and gold, but the gold is the same. I, I just thought yeah. it was peculiar how close in that color they ended up getting. And uh, Ticats, it's weird because the Ticats will change up their uniform combina uh, combinations when they're on the road, but they yeah. never do it at home, right? Like at home, it's black on black, right? And that's the Ticats. Um, but on the road, they will do like white jersey, gold pants, uh, white jersey, white pants. Like they will change it up. So it'll be interesting to see how they change it up if when they go to uh, Edmonton to play the Elks. Um, now, I know that was kind of the biggest story uh, from the CFL this week, Edmonton uh, finally yeah, yeah. naming their team. Uh, can I talk about a story that made me angry? Sure. Um, and not even the story that made me angry, but the approach from the people that released it made me angry. Interesting. I don't know what this is, so go ahead. McLeod Bethel Thompson re-signing in Toronto stop with your stupid graphic saying he was the touchdown leader in 2019. <laughs> you guys sucked. You were bad. 
yet you still want to put it out there of, oh, he was the touchdown leader. You guys were down 20 points. Hey, no lies detected. 50% of those touchdowns. <laughs> well, DT did a really good breakdown of all the reasons why he thinks that he is actually underrated as a passer. What? But yeah, Toronto Toronto really waved the flag for McLeod this week. And uh, I mean, what else are they going to do? But just he's not your starter anymore no but this is what i think is actually really is interesting it? is well that's the thing is that <laughs> dt and i were talking about this on wednesday unquestionably going into this training camp this weird delayed start to the season hamilton had the most interesting quarterback room wasn't even close right yeah. solely and evans but if you really think about it when you use the term interesting because interesting is relative interesting is determined by what you find to be interesting Dane Evans, Jeremiah Masoli, if you are looking for talented quarterbacks, yeah, the most interesting room. If that's what your qualifier is as interesting. If you are looking for drama, intrigue, controversy, a quarterback battle, I don't think there's going to be, like, and I might be wrong about this, but if that's what you use as the qualifier for interesting, I don't think that's going to be interesting. I think Jeremiah, if he's fully healthy, he's going to get the job. They love Dane. They're excited, I think, to have Dane be the quarterback of the future. But for right now, it's Dane is probably going to end up waiting a little bit. And yep. I don't think there's any shame in that because he's he's good enough to start. He knows he's good enough to start. We know he's good enough to start. Now, if you use those same two qualifiers as interesting in Toronto, really good quarterbacks, two of them. Yeah. Uh, Nick Arbuckle and McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I think good quarterbacks, very good quarterbacks, depending on your sliding scale. Of I don't think you... either of them are better than what the Ticats have. No, I agree with that, but I think that they're better than, uh, you know, Zach Kalaros and Sean McGuire, for example, and Winnipeg. Yeah. It's, it's like, if you want two quarterbacks that you know right now could play in a CFL game, they have it. So that's interesting if that's the qualifier. The second version of interesting that we talk about, controversy, intrigue, battle, yeah, like more so than the Ticats because the Ticats situation is going to be kind of boring, I think. Because Jeremiah is going to do his thing. He's going to earn the job. Everybody loves Dane. But hey, this is what it is. You only get one to play unless Jeremiah gets hurt. For Toronto, Arbuckle played six games. Yet they gave his offensive coordinator the head coaching job. Then they made yeah. the move to get him for Matt Nichols. They bring him in. They wave the flag forever saying, hey, look, he's going to be our starting quarterback. Everybody believes still that Nick Arbuckle is going to be going in. But Mike Hogan on the Argonauts website wrote an article that said, the quarterback kit competition just heated up. Like when he says that it just <laughs> heated up and he's writing for the team website, I'm like, are you guys inventing a quarterback controversy before the start of training camp because it will drive interest in the team? Yeah. Or is this real? Because if this is real, Nick Arbuckle might go. And again, I love Nick and I hate to say this because I wish him all the best and I want to see him play again. But Nick Arbuckle might go from Bo Levi Mitchell's backup to the most sought-after quarterback in the CFL that was going to become available because Bo ain't going anywhere. Yep. And so he ends up getting traded for some high draft picks to Ottawa, to being the guy in Ottawa, to getting moved for Ben Nichols, essentially, going over to Toronto, to being the guy in Toronto, to maybe not being the guy in Toronto. Like, that was what I read into all of this was, whoa, Nick Arbuckle here, if he doesn't ball out, they are not going to sit around with the veteran group that they've been able to put together, especially on defense up front. They're not going to sit on that and be like, you know what? Let's give Nick some time. Let's, yeah. let him, let's let him figure this out for, you know, six weeks, 12 weeks, a year, two years. Their window You're not is, winning like that, though. Their window is not like they're going after this. All the well, moves that Murphy and Pinball have made this offseason, 
they're not going to wait around. So I think what just happened here was they put pressure on Arbuckle. And if he falters, I, I don't want to say at all, but if he falters consistently enough, they're just going to put McLeod Bethel Thompson in and say, hey, go sling it all over the place. Throw it for a billion yards like you did in 2019. We'll play defense beside it. And maybe that's good enough to get some wins. <laughs> it's, it's become, again, the caveat is interesting. But to me, that is a super interesting dynamic that's yeah. been created by their own making as well. We talked about it after the CFL draft, after free agency. The Toronto Argonauts definitely made themselves better this year. I think they have a better roster this year uh, going into the 2021 season um, than they have uh, probably since they won the Grey Cup. And even that was a surprise to a lot of people around the league. Um, I will say this, though. I And you talk about quarterback controversies are all relative and based on how you looked on, uh, look at it. I would love to see a poll of Toronto Argonauts fans on their confidence level in McLeod Bethel Thompson, that if there is a quarterback controversy and that guy wins it and he's your starter week one, let's say he's your starter until he screws up. One, how long until he screws up? Two, how many wins are you going to have that season? And do you feel confident that that guy can get the job done? Because he's proven in the past he can't get the job done. So that's my point. If Nick Arbuckle is not going to be the starting quarterback for this team, then you're going down a really bad path and that's why i didn't like and again pr and marketing departments of football teams they are very different from football operations i would have loved to hear a conversation between the two departments to say is mcleod our backup or is he going to be our starter because the way you painted it and sold it to the fans you sold it like that guy was going to come take nick arbuckle's job and that's not what's best for the organization What's best for the organization is that guy to sit behind Arbuckle, Arbuckle to Bolo, get your team into the playoffs, and maybe you get a win on the road or something. But when I look at all the quarterbacks, not only in Toronto, not only in Hamilton, I will even throw Montreal and Ottawa in there as well. If you're doing a power ranking of quarterbacks from the best to the worst, based on where they sit roster-wise, I think Dane Evans and Jeremiah Masoli are 1-2. In all the power rankings of quarterbacks in the East Division, and at worst are one and three. Maybe you put somebody in that two hole. I was gonna say there's a lot of people that love Vernon Adams Jr. and there's a lot of people who respect Matt Nichols, but Nichols is gonna slide because. But I'm saying Nichols now because last time we saw Nichols play football, I was just gonna say Nichols is gonna slide because you haven't seen him since middle of 2019, and then the pandemic hit, and then he's been moved twice. So yeah, you're not young, but he's gonna slide in those rankings. And he's not going to be surrounded by nearly as much as the Ticats and the Argos are. Hell, even Montreal's got a great receiving group that they're playing with now. So, yeah, um, yeah th- I mean, the thing is for me, and I, I hate to hesitate with this because I want to agree with you because I've seen so much. I know what Jeremiah can do. Jeremiah is one of the most dynamic players in the entire CFL when he's on. I've seen what Dane can do, as you have, Kyle. And I fully agree with you in my heart that Dane Evans is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the East alongside Jeremiah and maybe Vernon and Nichols when he's in a really good system with people that are surrounding him. And uh, I agree with all of that stuff. I mean, honest to God, if I were to put together, and I hate to do ranking of lists, but we're here now, so we might as well. uh, Off the top of my head, I would go Masoli 1, Evans 2, Vernon Adams Jr. 3, uh... I want to put Nick Arbuckle ahead of 
Nichols. But if I, he's not, then the Toronto Argonauts have gone down a weird path here. I think I think it should. I mean, and I don't say should. I just I feel like he's got to be better. So I would put Arbuckle at that. What am I at five now? That's and fair. Then, yeah. That probably slots Nichols at like six, and then McLeod is at like seven. But again, like McLeod Bethel Thompson can come in and throw the ball all over the place. I think actually better than Vernon Adams Jr. can. Vernon is one of the most dynamic, multifaceted players in the entire CFL at any position. Yeah. But in terms of coming in and just throwing it all over the park, that's what McLeod gives you. And that, that honestly, when you talk about the way they painted that with the Argos and of what he's going to do when he comes in. Yeah, they painted it probably in brighter colors than they should have. However, everybody said the right thing in all the media and all the rest was, you know, it's not a competition. Nick's a guy giving Nick the opportunity. But the reality exists that when you have a quarterback who's proven that he can produce offensively, even if it's for what a lot of us think is empty calories and yards that were just piled up late in games and whatever, if he can do that, maybe the thinking for Toronto is the backup plan becomes, listen, we believe in Nick. We want Nick to do everything, but if Nick can't, or if Nick gets dinged, McLeod can come in and produce offensively for us. He can move the ball down the field and give us an opportunity to score points. And the thinking I th- it has to be for them that the team that they've built around the quarterback position, whether it's all the receivers, the Eric Rogers, Juwan Bruscase, and Dijon Brissett being a top pick second overall in 2020, uh, on and on and on. The running back room is deep. Offensive line group is retooled. The front seven's crazy. Two Canadian linebackers, Cam Judge, Enoch Wong. Maybe the thinking is, in 2019, we asked McLeod Bethel-Thompson to sling it all over the place because we didn't have much else. We had him. We had Darrell Walker. We had James Wilder Jr. when healthy, when motivated. Other than that, eh. I, I mean, we, we defensively, we had some pieces. You know, we had an offensive lineman, Sean McEwen, that was a standout as a center, but maybe we didn't have enough. Now they've got enough around him that my belief is with him resigning, if they ask him to go in, it's going to be like, hey, man, just go do what you do. Move the ball. Give us a chance to score points. We'll surround you with all the other stuff. But again, they're not building a team around McLeod Bethel Thompson. They're building that same team that I just mentioned, all the pieces and all the support and three facets working together. They're building that around Nick Arbuckle. So now the McLeod's in this training camp situation and in this situation in general with, with the Argos, the pressure is now squarely on Nick Arbuckle. Like if, if Nick can go in and perform consistently, which is something that you have to prove over time because excellence is about doing it all the time, not some of the time. If he goes in and he can prove it consistently, then this is a dumb conversation. Who cares? It doesn't matter. McLeod Bethel Thompson will be standing on the sideline holding the clipboard. Yeah. If Nick can't, then this whole conversation applies. And then there's a question about what you're doing with your future. And I'm not trying to kick Arbuckle out of Toronto before he ever plays a damn snap at training camp. I'm just saying this is the spot that Toronto is in. Yeah. And in defense of the Toronto Argonauts as well, I had a bigger problem. Again, I said it off the top of this conversation. I didn't have a problem with signing McLeod Bethel Thompson. I had a problem with the way they sold it Mm. and, you know, touting the fact that, oh, he was the touchdown leader in 2019. And it's like, well, you have context behind that one Argos were bad and they were down on a lot of time when he was throwing touchdowns and the Hamilton tiger cats probably would have had uh, the leading touchdown passer. Um, but because of injuries, uh, both quarterbacks that played were on short seasons. And that's why, you know, yeah. the numbers ended up the way they were. Um, I do, you know, in defense of the Toronto Argonauts want to say, I actually think McLeod Bethel Thompson is a good backup quarterback in the CFL. Very good. I've seen him at times play very well. 
And that's what you want to see in your backup quarterback. The, and I know coaches will always say, oh, you know, we're confident in the backup. It's like, yeah, but doesn't reality doesn't work that way, right? Sometimes when your star quarterback goes down, you might have confidence in your backup quarterback, but you're like, damn. Yeah. starting quarterback is down right oh i know i that. think that's yeah i think that's what the story will be for the toronto argonauts but if mcleod bethel thompson comes in i think he has the an, from a backup quarterback i want to see flash do you at times flash good enough to lead your team down the field and win with a touchdown drive or something like that or not throw interceptions continuously where you take your team out of it i think mcleod bethel thompson can do that i just don't think he's a starting quarterback and if you're an argos fan you don't want him to be the starting quarterback because everything has been put in place for arbuckle to be successful and if he's not on the field more than mcleod bethel thompson that means man something has gone seriously wrong in Toronto. yeah my whole thing with it is when you say he's a, he's a good backup quarterback, he's a very good backup quarterback because if yeah. you look at him compared to, Hey, BC, if Mike Riley gets dinged, yeah. <laughs> in comes William Arndt or Nathan Rourke, but more likely William Arndt at this point, who's better William Arndt or McLeod Bethel, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Yeah. Uh, if you look at uh, Edmonton, I think Logan Kilgore resigned there. Would you take McLeod Bethel Thompson or Logan Kilgore? We McLeod saw him in Hamilton. Like, yeah. I don't know if you want him. <laughs> I, uh, that's, I'm taking McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, Calgary, yeah. Bully by Mitchell goes down. Nick Arbuckle's not there anymore. Dakota Prukop. Like if he goes into the game, Calgary's offense is not going to look remotely the same. They can, they can carry on mm-hmm. with what they have in house there in Toronto. So it's, it is a really smart signing for them. And, I want to finish this off by saying, I hope we never see McLeod Bethel Thompson. That's not a shot against him. I just want to see Nick Arbuckle ball out. I want to see him get his opportunity and make the most of it. He's a good dude. His life story is crazy, and he deserves the opportunity to prove himself. He's going to get it, and I hope he runs with it. I hope that he's a stud. I I hope that it's Dane Evans against, uh, yeah, I always do this with Toronto and Hamilton just because we're so invested in this rivalry, but I hope that we see Evans versus Arbuckle for the next five, 10 years. Like whenever Evans gets an opportunity, I hope we see Masoli against Arbuckle for the next five years. And it's these intriguing Labor Day matchups because it's, it could be a lot of fun with those two guys at the helm if they're doing what they're capable of. And I just, I want that for Nick. I really do. I don't usually cheer for guys, but there's a little piece of me that, that definitely cheers for Nick Arbuckle because that guy deserves it. And you want some sort of sustainability in Toronto when it comes to one, having a guy that you can rely on on the field Mm -hmm. and a consistent face, because we haven't seen that in Toronto since Ricky Ray, you know, uh, left that team and won a great cup with that team. Um, You know, despite even the great cup, um, they have that on Hamilton. I'm talking about over the last decade, but you're talking about, you know, sustainable contender. The Ticats have been much better than Toronto Toronto Argonauts um, overall, uh, you know, over that period of time. Um, and you would just like to see the Argos get back to there. Um, you know, with Hamilton having the people that they have in house, I'm talking coaching front office and now the players and whether it's Jeremiah Masoli or Dane Evans as the future of the Hamilton Tiger cats. Um, I think there's sustainability there and it would you know be great to see two teams with two young quarterbacks, really yeah. pushing each other to be the class of the East division. Oh man. That'd be so much fun if they could make that happen. Now let's round out the show today uh, by that was a deep dive into McLeod. I'm glad that you brought that up because it is, it's super, <laughs> super interesting. I know that we'll talk more about it as we start to get some more details on all this stuff when training camps actually open up, but I wanted to finish off with my favorite sound of the week. Okay, this is not the Friday house party. I didn't have time to put that together this week, unfortunately. I know I'm lazy. I'm sorry. Uh, But 
this is my favorite sound of the week. It's a singular sound clip. Now, I could have played O.J. Simpson's attorney, F. Lee Bailey, uh, reacting to the, uh, the verdict in the O.J. Simpson trial uh, because he passed away at the age of 87 today. So I wanted to do a little tribute to F. Lee Bailey because he's just a super interesting Southern lawyer guy, which is just a cartoon character. Uh, it's not that. It could be the Kia Nurse game winner, Hamilton's <laughs> own, for the Phoenix Mercury. That was super cool to be able to see this week as well. But it is not. It is Edmonton AM on CBC Radio with Mark Connolly and Tara McCarthy. And they did a very special interview this week, Kyle, surrounding all things Edmonton Elks. After an exhaustive process, the Edmonton football team is now officially called the Edmonton Elks. And are now- This is such a radio guy voice, isn't it? <laughs> I'm already over it with the exhaustive. Well, this is why we don't work in radio anymore before, because if we were to read this script, we'd be like, well, after an exhaustive search, it was the Edmonton Elks is the new name. This guy guy just comes in thundering with a, well, after an exhaustive search, it was already something that we knew was going to happen, but we were fully excited by it once we got the opportunity to find out. My voice is going high and low because that's what you have to do in broadcasting because that's what you do. And if you don't do it, you're not a world-class broadcaster. After an exhaustive process, the Edmonton football team is now officially called the Edmonton Elks. And our next guest is pretty familiar with the majestic mammal. John Cameron has been an elk rancher for 30 years and owns Thunder Valley Ranches near Buck Lake, southwest of Edmonton. He's also a fan of the football team. Good morning, John. Good morning. (laughs) Okay, so we have an elk rancher. Uh, who is this is the most CBC sports angle on this ever and I love it so much they got an elk rancher from south of Edmonton I think is where they said uh, to come on and talk about why an elk is a worthy choice as a mascot so what did you think when you heard the Edmonton football team would be now known as the Elks yeah it's uh it's kind of growing on me now yeah (laughs) you spent decades working with these animals what are elk like well, I mean, they're a phenomenal animal to work with. The... Hang on, this is <laughs> this is terrible. This is such bad radio. I love bad radio. Bad radio is better than good radio because good radio is average. Bad radio is fantastic. So, Kyle and I have done some just dead fish interviews in our time. Oh, one hundred percent. Where you ask the first question and you're like, "Holy shit!" How are we going to fill five to 10 minutes with this person? There's nothing interesting here to talk about. This interview starts off with a thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, what do you think about the name? And you're thinking that he's going to come in and be like, oh, it's fantastic. I love the elk so much. And he's like, well, I don't know. It's kind of, I guess it's kind of growing on me. Oh, man. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. So he's, he's not like an over the top rambunctious believer in everything that's happening here. And then I just love the hesitancy in Mark Connolly from CBC Edmonton's voice here uh, with the question that gets the follow-up, where I think you can hear in his voice, if you listen carefully, the realization that, oh, damn it, this is not going to oh, go man. smoothly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of growing on me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the, yeah. Oh, God, this interview is going to be bad. And then... <laughs> And then listen to the follow-up and the lack of confidence in his voice. You spent decades working with these animals. What are elk like? (laughs) 
<laughs> that wasn't written down. <laughs> oh, that, that was the, he was expecting a longer answer off the top there, and then he had to just follow it up with that. It what are uh, uh, oh, like? Well, I mean, they're a phenomenal animal to work with. The uh, very majestic, um, very beautiful animal, and uh, bulls in the fall are are uh, pretty exciting to see. I mean, how, how big do elk get? They get big. I mean, uh, bulls can be over 900 pounds. Uh, cows are around five to 600 pounds. <laughs> Did you hear that exhale from Mark Connolly inside the studio? Again, I know we're micro-dissecting this interview, but this is why it's my favorite sound of the week, and we didn't do a Friday house party, because this is better than any Friday house party we've had since we started doing CFP shows. I want you, when he says bulls can get up to 900 pounds, I want you to hear the over-the-top from Mark Connolly in the studio. He is sexually aroused by that answer about the 900-pound bull. Listen. Uh, bulls in the fall are, are uh, pretty exciting to see. I mean, how, how big do elk get? They get big. I mean, uh, bulls can be over 900 pounds. Uh, cows are around five <laughs> to 600 pounds, so they're, they're a pretty big animal. Are there some unique characteristics about them? What? Uh, well, they're very. Uh, they're actually a very curious animal, and uh, they they do have a personality. And uh, you'll see some elk like different. They like to play a lot, and uh, they're uh, very uh, closely herd orientated. They like to be close to their group. Very closely herd orientated. Just want to throw that out there. All right. I understand that. Are the herds called uh. gangs? <laughs> Whoa. I did not expect gang culture to come up in this interview. This this was unprompted, okay? We just dove into gang culture. I mean, you can't be doing that in 2021, Mark Connolly. What are and, you doing? Uh, you'll see some elk like different. They like to play a lot, and uh, they're uh, very uh, closely herd-orientated. They like to be close to their group. I understand that. Are the herds called gangs? Uh, the uh, No, they're called a herd. They're- <laughs> <laughs> I was so hoping I haven't heard this full thing. I was so hoping he was going to say no. It's it's so great when the interviewer asks the question and he's like, "I understand uh, this. Tell me about it." And then the person is like, "No, that's not." Who not told a, you that? Yeah, that's not a thing. Why? Why did uh, he think? Why did? Why would he bring up gangs if he didn't know a hundred percent that gangs? It was what they were. It, again, the, the, the elk farmer rancher guy here is trying very, very softly to not make Mark Conley look uh, like he was out of place with this question, but then he just crushes his play a lot. And uh, they're uh, very uh, closely herd orientated. They like to be close to their group. I understand that. Are the herds called gangs? Uh, the, uh, no, they're called a herd. They're called yeah. a herd. Okay. Uh, just, uh, someone had mentioned that to me and I thought, oh, that sounds oh. kind of strange. So, so he's blaming someone else. That's a straw man argument if I've ever heard yeah, of it. Just I'm like, not listening to Ben the intern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking down the hall and some dude just said to me, Hey, gang, gang, gang. And, uh, and when he did that, I just assumed that he was talking about the, uh, the Elks. When you work with them on a okay. ranch like this, it's obviously <laughs> different from they are in the wild or, or do you have to kind of use their natural instincts uh, to sort of, uh, you know, deal with them as well. No, they're, they're, they're pretty quiet. They're domesticated, uh, farm animal. And, uh, you know, we have some pets that you can scratch and, uh, and 
come fall, they get uh, those bulls get uh, pretty serious and and uh, a little bit more aggressive come fall. Yeah, uh, and are, are they an easy animal to deal with for for the most part? Yes, yeah, they're a great animal to deal with. How do you think the characteristics and temperament of the elk could translate to the football field? <laughs> well, uh, maybe come playoff time in the fall, they uh, they get a lot more aggressive. Hopefully, the players do too. <laughs> Well, it depends if it's breeding season there, guys. I mean, that's I know. why the, that's why the that's bull what gets... I wanted to hear. How are <laughs> the elks like... in the mating season? How aggressive do they get? Do you think Rod Black is going to use that as a call on TSN when the Edmonton Elks make oh, the playoffs? Yeah. He's going to go, it's mating season, and here come the angry males with a whole bunch of testosterone ready to unleash it on anybody who comes near them. Yeah, Trevor Funny, Harris into the end zone, and it is mating season for... The elk. I almost <laughs> said the other name almost again. Damn it! Yeah. That's and uh, you know, the, in the fall, these these bulls will charge you if they uh, if you're not careful. You got to watch. Um, now, what was that? <laughs> uh, what was that? Um, um. Uh, at some point, Earlier, you just have uh, Scott to Re- throw in the flag. Yeah, yeah. Usually, uh, I I did see that this interview was only four and a half minutes long, so I figured that. Uh, Probably there, who's our sportscaster at Platus, the sound of an elk. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't know how, how would you describe it for folks who haven't heard it? Please reenact the sound. Well, it's a bugle, and uh, uh it can be very high pitched. And some, you know, the big bulls can it almost sounds like a scream with a bunch of grunts on the end. But do uh, it, you coward. I imagine once the, <laughs> the football games get going, there'll be somebody in the crowd that's gonna you're gonna hear it. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Do you think the Edmonton Elks hit the mark on the logo on their helmet? Have you seen it? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, at first I, you know, had to look twice, but it uh, wasn't, you know, what I would look at as a true elk picture, but it's kind of growing on me too. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think the logo logo is okay. Um, elk, uh, elks and elk, elk is singular and plural. Right. So uh, the S was, I was kind of wondering about, but. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, the, I think the logo is kind of growing on me as well. And what do you hope to see this August when the Elks make their first kickoff? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe you should bring a big bull in there and let him run around the field. <laughs> that might be a bit dangerous. No. Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> no. you get a quiet one. I got a pet here that uh, he, he just wants to eat. Really? Okay. <laughs> I thought it might be interesting no. to have the, the Elk versus the Stampeders horse. It might be a good face-off right there. Yeah, you have to get one that you can ride, I guess. <laughs> well, John, we're glad we got a chance to talk to you about the, the elk and the elks, and uh, we appreciate your insight into it. Yeah, and good luck to the season for the Edmonton elks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, John. Take care. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. John Cameron is an elk rancher at Thunder Valley Ranches, southwest of Edmonton, and a fan of the newly named El- Edmonton Elks uh, oh, football God. team. Oh, boy. How do we not have a job in radio, man? Come on. Yeah, okay. So sometimes, and you mentioned this off the top, um, sometimes bad interviews in radio happen, right? Sometimes it's on the broadcaster and sometimes on the person that you're interviewing and they're just not giving you anything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we had some lackluster interviews where the person on the other end just didn't give us anything. Um, And I know I've had interviews where I was bad and I asked a stupid question and it ruined the whole interview because I thought it was a smart question when I was thinking of it. And then when it came out, it wasn't a smart question. And I'm like, oh, now I just put this guy on his heels 
the entire interview. But like I can remember one, and again, I'm we're towing a weird line here. And the only reason why I bring this up because he was in the news recently. Um, do you know which guy I'm talking about? Art Bryles? No, we never interviewed Art Bryles. <laughs> uh, Just remember no. the funniest name I could there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it was uh, an Olympian, Alex Kopaz. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. This? Yeah. I saw him. So, in the Alex news with Kopaz. His, yeah. With yeah, his, so his we COVID struggle. Him. Yeah. So yeah, that's why he was in the news recently because he was struggling with COVID. So we interviewed Alex Copez, I don't even know, 2018, 2019. And it was to promote a breakfast he was having at a retirement home to raise money for his Olympic journey or raise money for the home. I can't remember. Um, and it was obviously our show was early in the morning, so it was early. And this is the way that interviews usually work. I don't talk to Alex. I talk to the person that is handling this whole function and they give Alex to us and they say, Alex will call at this time, but just in case here's his number. I'm like, okay, we waited for that time for him to come on. He didn't call. I was like, screw it. Not waiting anymore. I'm going to call him, call Alex Copaz. I woke him up and I was like, okay, it's not the first time, but let's do it. Marsha's first question (laughs) brings him on. Uh, hang on, hang Bob on. Let me, let me let me play this because I actually have oh, the you sound. Have <laughs> I have the sound for you. Okay, so uh, this is the and it's it's cut up to be a rejoin, so it's a little bit uh, choppy here, but you'll get the sense. Because so Kyle has set the scene perfectly. Calls, wakes him up. We're nervous. <laughs> Ten seconds before we go on air, Kyle looks at me and goes, "I woke him up. This isn't going to be good." And I said, "Okay, sure. I welcome him in, and I'm all rambunctious and energetic." And I say. So uh, tell us the uh, the event that you're uh, working on here, and here's what we got. Wake up to serious sports talk. Alex Kopaz, who of course is a 2018 gold medalist in the bobsleigh and the two-man, a brakeman as well as we welcome Alex in. Alex, good morning. How are you? Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. Hey, thanks for having me here. Happy to have you on. Yeah. Let us know uh, the event that you are working with. Oh, with regards to two-man bobsled. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I mean actually with the event that you're uh, you're being a part of moving forward here. Oh, it's going to be great. It's a, it's a breakfast. Here on TSN 11. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Let us know the event you're working on here. Dead silence. Uh, it's the it's the two-man bobsled. Oh. And, then, and then I was Mark Connolly from that interview we just played where you get flustered and you expect there to be a longer answer. And so I was just throwing him the easy, open-ended question of, tell us about the breakfast. And I said the event, and he thought I meant his sport. And then I scrambled very awkwardly. And let me see if I can just find here the awkward scramble that I gave him. Ben, as well as we yeah. welcome Alex in. Alex, good morning. How are you? Weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. Hey, thanks for having me here. Happy to have you on. Well, Let us know uh, the event that you are working with. Oh, with regards to two-man bobsled. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, actually, with <laughs> I love that I confirmed for him the sport that he's in. I'm like, yes. Yeah, it is. It is the two-man bobsled. Congratulations. Yeah, but I love how he, before he said, oh, it's a breakfast, he said, oh, it's going to be great. It's a breakfast. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, I mean, actually, with the with event that, that you're, uh, you're and... being a part of moving forward here. Oh, it's going to be great. It's a, it's a breakfast. Here on TSN 11. <laughs> I mean, who can disagree? Breakfast yeah. is great, right? But again, in defense of Alex, and I've been enough uh, around enough athletes that get called to banquets or whatever the case may be, and they get there and they have no idea what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? Like Alex, I assume was told, Hey, you're going to do a breakfast. Does he know much about the breakfast? Probably not. He's yeah. there to just talk about bobsled. Like that's what he does. Yeah. And he just gave that answer because 
oh, this is something that maybe he somebody was told him uh, for literally 10 seconds and he had to do a radio interview about it. So true. I want to end off the show today by doing a quick investigation with you here, Kyle. This is the man that we just played for you. Okay, this was this Mark McCarthy, uh, Mark Connolly interview, I should say, Tara McCarthy, Mark Connolly. Uh, again, I clamor that I should have a job in radio and that I can't even read a sentence. Uh, but here is the guy that they were talking to, the Elk Rancher, okay, that we were having so much fun with. All are, are uh, pretty exciting to see. I mean, how, how big do elk get? They get big. I mean, uh, Bulls can be over 900 pounds. Uh, cows are around five to 600 pounds. So they're, they're pretty big animal. Okay. Now I have a question here. Do you think that that was uh, an elk rancher from somewhere Southwest of Edmonton, or was that Mike from Canmore from the Royal Canadian air farce? Huh? Maybe let's check in. <laughs> Canmore. I'm not a lumberjack or a fur trader or a politician. I don't live in an igloo. I tried, but it melted the first night I put in a furnace. I don't own a dog sled, not since it was repossessed. I have a prime minister I can't understand. Not a president I don't want to understand. I sew my country's flag on my backpack so when I travel, people won't overcharge me because they'll know my dollar isn't worth a pinch of loon spit. There you go. I think it was Mike from Canmore that they actually had on there. It was equally as funny as well. Uh, thank you to that great content from Mark Connolly out there on CBC Edmonton. That's going to do it for us on the show this week. Thank you for tuning in. As always, thank you to our partners at Fox 40 for making this possible. Don't forget that you can, of course, use the promo code CFP15. Get 15% off all of your return to play whistle needs. And, of course, Sawdust City Beer. Check out on Saturday. We're going to have another Sawdust City Happy Hour tasting up on our YouTube channel for you. If you want to be able to use the uh, promo code at CFP, it gets you free shipping on all orders over $100 for Ontario residents only. Of course, must be legal drinking age, which Kyle Mello is, and I hope he enjoys one this weekend as it gets nice and hot and sunny here in Ontario. Kyle, fun as always, brother. That was uh, that was a great time to catch up again, and we're looking forward to coming up next week when we dive back into it closer to another CFL training camp. Thanks. We'll uh, we'll chat next week, and uh, hopefully we'll have a uh, a better picture of uh, what both leagues look like in the playoffs, the NHL and the NBA. Uh, we do know one thing for certain: the Toronto Maple Leafs are never going to win again. <laughs> And I'm not even talking about the cup. I'm talking about a series. <laughs> what are elk like? <laughs>